down the rabbit hole of rock and roll's past, present, and future. It's Barstool Rockers with your hosts, Jim Finn and Dan Michaels. So here we are, brand new episode of the podcast, and the past few, we've had to talk about the death or deaths of some great musicians like Rick Okasik and Eddie Money. Yeah. And now this time, I hope we're not cursed. <laughs> no, we just report on what happens. We're not. We're not anticipating it. This time, it's Cream drummer Ginger Baker, yes, who passed. Who was another one of those brilliant musicians? And you think of Cream, and you think of that amazing rhythm section of uh-huh. Ginger Baker yeah. and Jack Bruce, and then of course. Growing clapped into the mix, you basically had a super group before the, super groups were even the who's who, yeah. if you will. And then Larry Junstrom, uh, bassist for Skinnerd and 38 Special, passed away. And so I started thinking about this because we've talked about this a number of times on the podcast about going to see these musicians. Oh, absolutely. When they're still with us. And started to think about how grateful I actually am that not only have I seen a good chunk of the legends, like Paul McCartney, David Bowie, uh, Alice Cooper, you know, we've also had a chance to chat with a lot of them here on the podcast with Alice Cooper and Rick Nielsen and Tom Peterson of Cheap Trick and uh, Robin Trower, Carmine Apice, they're all getting older. And we are of an age where we grew up with a lot of those musicians. Luckily, yeah. We came was, in a good time. That's exactly what I was going to get to here, is that I'm also grateful for the fact that you and I were growing up in an age where music didn't totally suck. No, exactly. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure as I am sitting here right now, that someday they'll be saying the same thing about the music that's being made now. The people that are growing up with it. Yes. It does make us kind of sound like the old guys screaming at the kids. Get off my my lawn. lawn. However, (laughs) what I will say, old man yells at cloud. (laughs) There's plenty of current modern music that I do listen to. Sure. But even back in the sixties, the pop music we had back then was the Turtles, or even if it was the Monkees. These were groups that had actual songs okay. <laughs> to perform. On a Pleasant Valley Sunday. On a Pleasant Valley Sunday. And now... Uh, boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots you, and You cats. said it, not me. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Let's get on to uh, our guest today on the podcast. Going to kick you a scenario. Another legend. It's 1987. Okay. Submitted for your approval. Submit to your approval, if you will. 1987. U2 has released The Joshua Tree. Okay. Massive hit for them, where the streets have no name, still haven't found what I'm looking for, with or without you. Huge album for them. It's a year after Peter Gabriel has released So. Okay. Major hit for him. Robbie Robertson, primarily known 
for his involvement with the band, releases his first solo album. And it is brilliant from start to finish. And also includes U2 on the album. There are moments with Peter Gabriel on the album. So he, he brought in some heavy hitters to join him on the album. But song after song after song, it is just an amazing album. Whether it is the, the driving plaintive rock of American Roulette or that sexy swamp blues of Somewhere Down the Crazy River or Broken Arrow, which would later become a big hit for Rod Stewart. It is just a masterpiece. And of course, he was no stranger to masterpieces because he had worked all those years with the band, contributing with his other fellow band members. So like you said, another legend and just grateful that we get a chance to talk with him. Hello, Jim. Well, it's my belief that the world instantly becomes a better place once we have new Robbie Robertson music in it, and we do. We have a new solo album from Robbie. It's called Cinematic. Some of the inspiration for this album comes from your film score writing and recording for a Martin Scorsese film, correct? Yeah, it was uh, all these things in this case, Jim, which was very unusual for me, but while I was making this record, I was writing the score for The Irishman. I was working on the song choices for The Irishman. I was working on the documentary, Once Were Brothers, that uh, this movie they made that premiered at the opening of the Toronto International Film Festival. And it's, oh my God, has this ever turned out great. So that's going on, and I was writing volume two of my memoir, and I was working on the 50th anniversary of the band things. <laughs> and so all of these elements started to make cinematic what it is, and what a, a fantastic thing, because it, it gives you all this material to write about, and ideas were just flowing. Yeah, you like to keep yourself busy, don't you? It seems that way. I thought I should be sipping lemonade by now somewhere in the Caribbean, but that ain't <laughs> happening. Well, I never knew I would get the chance to tell Robbie Robertson how much I loved his soundtrack work for The Color of Money, but Robbie Robertson, I love your mm. soundtrack work for The Color of Money. And it's a quite an amazing body of work, just your film work alone, of course, You've been working with Martin Scorsese for years, collaborating with him. Was it during the filming of The Last Waltz that you first met Martin? Yes. Well, I met him after he made A Mean Streets. Um, but we just met and said hello, and there was a screening of Mean Streets that they had for me. And after the, the movie, uh, Marty showed up just to say hello and... And that that movie was groundbreaking, and uh, so I was really, really, uh, you know, honored to be able to meet this guy who was. It, it just felt like he was going to go on to become something very, very important in movies, and boy, did that happen! Yeah. And then when I oh, I was producing the last walls, I decided that Marty, I thought could be the best director 
to capture this and do it the way it should be done. And boy, was I right about that. You sure were. You sure were. Now, you have some incredible talent that collaborate with you on this new album, Cinematic, including Van Morrison and Glenn Hansard. Did you know beforehand that you wanted to collaborate with those guys before you started the recording of the album? No, and it was just coincidental, you know, maybe a subconscious thing. But I'm working on a movie called The Irishman. Mm. Van Morrison is from Ireland. Glenn Hansard is from Ireland. And the way, that's what I mean, how all of these things started connecting. And I had just written a song, I Hear You Paint Houses, and Van, um, he came through town, and we were hanging out, and he said, what are you working on? I played him the song, and he was like, man, I really like that. And so uh, I you know, I said, uh, do you want to sing on it? And he said, yeah. <laughs> so we ended up just doing that together. And, oh, my God, I, I love Van, and what a pleasure that was. And Glenn Hansard is somebody that I really appreciate his songwriting. And, you know, he's just a great singer-songwriter. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he, you know, he was so generous, and he did some backing vocals for me and really contributed to the songs, uh, Dead End Kid, uh, uh, on this. I just, I loved what he did and Let Love Rain. And um, so anyway, the Irish guy showed up. <laughs> yeah, and then you're talking to an Irish DJ this morning, too. So it you comes see, full circle. You see, right? I'm telling you, these things are connected. Well, you know, it's really cool to hear your voice and Van's voice blending on I Hear You Paint Houses. Can you tell us about the writing and recording of that song? Well, I think that had something to do with it, too. That the way that I wanted to sing on that song. And the way Van wanted to sing on that song, and we're really telling a story in this. So in that, you don't want any acrobatics or getting too cute. You want to hit it straight between the eyes. And because the nature of this song too, it's about a hitman, you know. So, you know what I mean. Yeah. So you don't want to, you don't want to get too flowery with that kind of stuff. <laughs> when I listen to a Robbie Robertson album, I always and please forgive this boneheaded analogy I'm about to to make. I feel like I'm inside a Sonic Robertson microcosm, and it's kind of similar to when I listen to a Peter Gabriel album. And what I mean by that is I don't hear any current trends in music creeping its way into the music. It's a one of a kind experience. Is there a current artist though, that maybe influences you? I don't know about influence. I do know that there's a lot of music out today that I think is, fantastic and um but i don't know about the influence part of it i've i've always been somebody that wanted to just dig deep inside and bring out the honesty in whatever i could do so i don't listen to other people to to really see what to do i listen to them just with appreciation yeah we got the 50th anniversary reissue of the band's self-titled album, which will be released this fall. 50 years, Robbie, 
What are your recollections of recording that album with the band? I I remember I have a pretty good memory for this kind of stuff, and it, it was an extraordinary time and experience. And the way that we made this record was nobody ever did anything like that before. Um, you know, we we rented Sammy Davis Jr.'s house in Los Angeles, and we turned the pool house into a studio, and we were together, back-to-back, and we made our own atmosphere. We were inside our own dimension, and the music came out that way. It had, once again, nothing to do with what was trendy, nothing to do with what was happening. It really was its own voice, its own flavor, its own sound. And as you mentioned, I'm still on that wavelength. You know, in the records that I make now, sometimes I feel more like I'm scoring the songs than just you know, strumming along on a guitar or doing something more traditional, you know, in a rock and roll kind of record. Yeah. The new solo album from Robbie Robertson, it's called Cinematic. And again, one other thing I never thought I would be able to tell Robbie Robertson is how much I loved his first solo album uh, from 1987. There were so many songs, front to back, Robbie, that album... Broken Arrow, American Roulette, Showdown at Big Sky, Fallen Angel, so many, somewhere down the crazy river, so many great songs on that album. Were those songs, before you released that first solo album, were those songs that you already had in your back pocket for a number of years, or did you write them specifically for that first solo album? I wrote them for the record, and uh, and I had been working, you know, on some movie music, before that, I'd been doing a bunch of different things. And then it came a time when a lot of people were saying, hello, you got to make a record now. we got to hear a Robbie record. So I said, oh, oh, okay. So I sat down and I started writing. And I wrote the songs, some of them before and most of them during. And it was just... You know, it was just a period, and you know, talk about write, writing them while doing it. I I wrote a song with uh, the guys in U two. We did two songs together. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with Peter Gabriel on a couple of songs yeah. on on that record. Um, it was a work in progress, and um, the way it came together and everything, it was just so much fun. And I'm still trying to have that much fun. Well, we love the new album. We're we're digging it. Uh, the the first solo album you collaborated with Daniel Lanois on that one, and a, a couple of your other solo albums too, I believe. Right? Was that a good experience for you? Oh, Daniel was fantastic. Uh, yeah, and you know he's from uh, up in Canada, in the same area that I'm from, and so we just locked in. And uh, and he was doing brilliant work. At the same time, he was producing Joshua Tree. And so, and that's the reason why I got to work with Peter and uh, the U2 guys at the same time, because we were all making records, and then just this collaboration came up. Sure. You made it back to Toronto for the premiere of the documentary, right? 
Yes, I did. Good experience for you? It was it was just incredible because the reception of this documentary was way above and beyond anything I was expecting. And the film turned out great. I think it comes out in theaters probably just after the first of the year, and then it'll stream after that. But I am so proud of the work on this documentary, and it really digs in deep on the brotherhood of the band. It's very, very moving, this movie. The new solo album is called Cinematic. There's going to be a deluxe edition out in a few weeks. Looking forward to that as well. Robbie Robertson, thank you for taking time and talking with us today. And I just want to tell you on a personal note, I just want to thank you for the amazing contributions that you have made to music over the past 50 years. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your kind words. And it was really fun talking with you. Another quick chat, but very, very informative with Mr. Robertson today. (laughs) And dude, I got to tell you, (laughs) because unfortunately you weren't able to join me for it, but when... I came in on that Monday morning. That's when I found out about it. It wasn't like I had the weekend to, to prep, prep yeah. for an interview with Robbie Robinson. So it <laughs> that was one just, was like, you know, just got to pull it together real quick. <laughs> the booker said, hey, can you? And, okay, sure. You betcha. And I feel validated now because one of the early bands that I was in we did a cover version of American Roulette from Robbie's first solo album. So, and that was me pushing the band to get us to do that song. So shout out to Steve, Ralph, Derek, and Pete, who were all in the band with me, <laughs> who had to deal with the lead singer, Itis. You know how that, you know how that goes. But now I feel like I'm validated because I've talked to Robbie Robertson. <laughs> Testify! Yeah, there you go. It's just another example of the podcast, why it works. Finn works on knowledge and facts and, <laughs> and instinct and data, and I just work on feelings. That's how it works. <laughs> You're from the heart. I'm from the I'm the hot guy. There you go. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, hearts and feelings, if you enjoyed what we do with this thing, Ah, don't forget the name's Barstool Rockers. Please consider giving us a favorable rating and, and subscribe over at iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, all those different places. Tune in and, of course, the iHeartRadio app. Uh, every time somebody gives us a positive review, it helps new listeners find the show. Uh, thanks to Joe for the big voice and to Anastasia for our music. If you want to get in touch with us, BarstoolRockers.com, BarstoolRockers at gmail.com. On Facebook, it's Barstool Rockers. And all sorts of stuff like that. Until next time. We're going to spend some music while we're waiting for our next caller. You're on the air. 